0: Episode 13 of the Wine Tech Insiders podcast. Today, we're going to dive into wine and climate change. As always, our insiders are with us. We have Seb from Trolley. Morning. Mm -hmm. Lori from Outshinery. Hi there. Nick from Wine Owners. Hi. And last but not least, Jonathan from Bottle Books. Good evening. So uh climate change climate change seems even more in the news than it did last year than it did last month it seems like it's all over the place um nick has has wine is wine a kind of canary in the coal mine of climate change Uh, have, have wineries already seen Changes to the climate happen are are they going to you know is is it one of the first industries that could really be um, affected here
1: uh, yeah, I think so uh, and you know we're seeing we're seeing uh, so much uh, uh, more uh, events taking place uh, that are unpredictable that are causing harm to um, producers. Um, that are increasingly uninsurable because insurance fees um, are going up so high. Um, uh, But I think it's also causing um, producers to re-evaluate how they make wine, frankly. Um, And and in certain instances, such as in Bordeaux, uh, what grapes they may be needing to think about planting in the future. And in fact, they've already started planting a whole bunch of um, great varieties from further south and Port- from Portugal, native varieties to Portugal and and Spain to sort of see how they get on on the on the Medoc Peninsula. Um, but yeah, I think I think you know it's it's a problem, and I think it's it's particularly acute where you're looking at wine regions where um, uh, domain uh, producers or, or or properties are, are relatively small um because it 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 affects um the producer disproportionately and and brings the viability of their livelihood into question um so you know the effect of a much warmer early spring than has been typical in in burgundy followed by your kind of um uh, typical um mid to late um uh, april frosts um, is obviously causing enormous jet damage because, because the plants are more advanced um, than they would have historically been, you know, 20 or, or, or more years ago. Um, and, um, and clearly we're seeing a, a significant shift in the characteristics of the wines being made. Um, and, um, and I think, you know, and I think, and I think that that is, uh, that is a problem and it's also interesting. And I think speaking to wine merchants, uh, retailers, you know, they talk about they talk about the new classic Burgundy, which is the sort of the euphemism for the fact that Burgundy is never going to be um on a on a consistent year in, year out basis, the sort of profile that perhaps it it, it would have been um in previous decades. So I, I think I think it's extremely challenging. Um and clearly I don't think people uh, I don't think Burgundians or Piedmontese or or whoever have the option that Bordeaux has, which is a blended wine, to contemplate changing cépage.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: Laurie, what about you? Have you um, have you been hearing from producers? Um, what what are some stories that you've been hearing?
2: So, some stories we've been hearing because um, we're like a bit like later, like we you know our chinery comes later when it comes to like. Product imagery. Once, typically, the wine is in the bottle, so it just feels like a bit distant. Um, that way, like we don't talk to winemaker directly. One thing we've been feeling, you know, sometimes you can read between the lines with email and it's just uh, a bit like the uncertainty and here what's happening in the Pacific Northwest, so I'm located in um, Vancouver, so really close to the Okanagan region which is a BC wine region here but also uh, Oregon and Washington State where there is already, we're recording this in July the fires started end of June already, they are massive, they're out of control Um, and it's just I think some wineries they find it almost hard to concentrate on keeping them moving when, you know, they receive alerts on their phone. They don't know if they have to go soon. Like, it's just also like this, like immediate um, uncertainty of like their own uh, first livelihood and and lives and belonging, uh, and then just like this over them, like the threat of smoke damage. Right? Like it's just um, they already a lot of them dealt with it uh, last year uh and this year is gearing up to be more of the same sadly uh and just like the unpredictability so it just feels like a bit like this weariness and at the same time I have to say like the the resign like the the resilience of it all like um you know um just like yeah it's they don't talk all about that like you can feel this like kind of like in the back of their mind and at the same time like life has to go on and we have to move product and yes, the pickup truck is packed and ready to go. You know, even some people in my own team, like, you know, we almost have like Slack update to just say, like, Hey, we just got an alert. We may be called out. If, if you don't see us online, it's because we're evacuating, you know? So it's just like hanging over, over lives, literally.
0: Um, and, and Jonathan, are you hearing anything from, from associations or,
3: or, or, what what are you hearing out in the trade? Um, I think, I mean, the associations are monitoring the situation. Um, I don't think it has quite percolated um, up to the associations, at least on the marketing side. So I think the marketing side of the associations work is still quite focused on, um, on post COVID or COVID mitigation um, uh, measures at the moment. And that's been their primary focus. Um, but um, but no doubt uh, climate will be um, will be at the pot, tr- will is is, this, is a close second.
0: Yes, yeah, Seb. What about you? What are you hearing?
4: You're probably the most in touch with wineries. Uh, look, a couple of things. <clears throat> excuse me. Worth mentioning, um, we're already seeing. I have a number of wineries we work with in California uh, who have already decided. You know what. Just sell off, just close a business, just leave California because it's becoming untenable, right? Um, I think there's a number of regions. uh, It's much harder for associations, by the way, to deal with this um, because at a region level, there's not a whole lot you can do to actually just try and reverse or try and change. Or you really just have to deal with the situation at hand, right? Same as the fires. When they happen, you can't just, you know, pick up a hose by yourself and just, you know, hose off the vineyard. Um, it's much much harder than it sounds. The, uh, the so there are already vineyards moving around, uh, and the interesting question is that I think at a macro level, yeah, we're seeing some regions struggling and having challenges and and not really so sure what to do about it, uh, but we're also seeing a whole lot more of wines coming out of newer regions. Uh, cooler climates, which, which with the new methodologies are far more capable of producing pretty decent wines. Um, so look, overall, the global industry will shift and, and re-adapt. Uh, I think there might be an interesting look over the next, say, five, 10, 15 years as to the, the production per country, right? So right now, we obviously all know that you know France, Italy, Spain are pretty much the top three producers in the world will they remain right because they're all pretty much landlocked they're all pretty much stuck in a certain area they, they can't really develop much more and so i'd be curious to see how production uh, might be shifting um out of those countries at least to a certain extent you know what i mean the look the question i would like to leave on leave on the table is given that we're all working with wineries or wine merchants or wh- how do we help the industry how do we turn around and at the very least try and, and, and raise awareness amongst consumers, raise awareness uh, of, of the fire damage and smoke damage and the challenges the industry are facing. Uh, if we are to do our bit in the climate change kind of a challenge the planet is facing, uh, I have no intention of picking up a hose and going to hose off, you know, fires unless it's absolutely, you know, I think there's, there's different skills to do that. Um, but ultimately the key is what do we do today as an industry? How do we adapt to this? Uh, the vineyards are currently adapting to the fires when they smoke, they're going to try and mitigate, they're going to try and do different things. Uh, but how do we in the middle start raising awareness towards consumers, towards the supply chain of, Hey, this is really inefficient. This is really not correct. This is really not uh, climate friendly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's where we need to concentrate in, in the immediate term. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A bit like um, Jeff Bezos or, uh, or some of these other guys who are helping raise awareness of climate change by sending people into space on rockets that are burning vast amounts of fuel, right?
4: I thought you were suggesting you, were, you guys would send me into space.
1: <laughs> oh, <crap. laughs> we, 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 you know what? We'd, lo- we'd, love, we'd love to support you on that, Seb, but it's just too expensive.
4: <laughs> it's just I'm just a few billions short. <laughs> uh, it's look, it's a fascinating topic, right? Because overall, it, it's not that straightforward to deal with. It's a macro. It's a worldwide problem. Yeah. Uh, and I really think uh, the newer generations. I'm I'm all I'm taking all of us and I'm putting us into a really <laughs> old group right now. But the the, the newer generations are aware that things are changing and not a whole lot is happening or is happening is not happening fast enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a start, I think that's a start. Uh, but are we gonna see from a marketing standpoint, are we going to start seeing more sustainably produced wines? Mm-hmm. Are we going to start seeing some different wines which might have some smoke characteristics? Uh, are we going to see wines, which are we, I'm pretty sure we're going to see new wine regions and we're probably going to see wine regions shrinking because of the fires, for instance. Uh, yeah. Laurie mentioned Pacific Northwest. If you have a look at a map right now, mid mid California, mm-hmm. all the way up to north of BC, it's all red. Fire, fire, it's fire, fire.
2: <laughs> hmm. yeah.
4: And you're talking like, what, 2,000 or 3,000 kilometres? Mm-hmm. Right, I don't know where it is in miles like 1600 or whatever miles but it's massive
2: and what I was reading and I, which is fascinating and sweet the fire is now so big that it creates its own climate like it's just like it takes so much that suddenly like the climatologist is like well like it's no longer related at all to you know like the usual like the fire is so huge creating so much heat and I mean I'm not an expert like creating its own like tornado and, and, mm-hmm. and it's just like Now they have to study the fire itself to determine the the climate of the region. Like it's literally moving as the fire is moving. So it's just, I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's quite hairy uh, to look at. Um, But there's a lot of unpredictability there too, like, because it's, it really impacts on that level. It's that big of a fire. Um, that
4: way. Mm-hmm. And to answer your question, John, um, David, canary in a coal mine? Absolutely. I, I think, think so as well. Grapes, grapes are so sensitive. Uh, I mean, strawberries are sensitive, and other fruit and berries and different things are sensitive. But grapes, given that you know we ferment them, and and it's I think the characteristics are changing drastically. So yeah, definitely canary in a coal mine.
2: And I think Canarina, call mine on a marketing standpoint as well. I mean, you know, I was perusing in the New York Times and other publication, and I'm sure the smoke and the fire are affecting other farm businesses, right? Like beyond grapes, but the articles uh, you know, were just like again, wine is something that everyone in their daily lives know where it fits as a product. And you can like relate and understand maybe more readily than. Almonds, you know, or like things like that, and it just feels it's a kind of a call Mind, she's like, look what happened to the wineries that you are buying right now in your local liquor store. Look what happened, like you know, like it just feels also like I think it brings it home. I think the wine the wine industry has that maybe a bit going for them, like maybe a bit easier to get um, a grasp and the impact, um, like in the life of people. Like it's it's more realistic than. I don't know, canola or one of those products that we don't have at home that, you know, the feeding of cows down, like it's just like, it's more abstract. I think wine is strangely tangible also for people to understand the impact of climate. And I think maybe that I'm literally thinking and talking and maybe it's an opportunity there for the wine regions at the wall. One thing I wanted to mention as well, that was really clear for me last year, so like, big fires again in the Pacific Northwest, and um, in Vancouver for a while had the worst uh, air index in the whole world, like super smoky. And yet we were, you know, hundreds and hundreds of kilometers or miles, whatever is your unit, um, you know, away from the fire. And it's just, um, it has no border. Like technically there was very little fires within BC. It was all fires from California, Washington, Oregon, um, and you can't just say like, oh, it's an American mm-hmm. problem. Like it stops, you know, at like the parallel, like 39th Like so it's just, and we all know, and, you know, with the Paris Accord and everything like that, it just, it's hard, right? Like, so like, it's just like, it's just like to get people aligned and, you know, so it's just, it's like this extra challenge. And yeah, it's, I'm personally like, I try to not, I try to not put my head in the sand, but I have some days that makes me very, very wary where we're going no, no,
0: well, no joking <laughs> what about what about champagne jonathan i mean could we be
3: could we be losing champagne as we know it well i think champagne could just be moving to to a slightly more northern location um i mean the the um the uk producers have been um might come out as being Having perfect timing um, with the growth of of their vineyards in, in in the UK, as things warm up, they start to have um, more of the, the conditions continue to improve for the style for that for the more premium style of, of wine. So um, I think that kind of goes back to what Seb was saying is that there it, there's on the global scale things will things will shift. Um, it it might mean that we're not calling you know the 20 years down the road, the premium sparkling is, is, you know, there'll still be champagne because it's tied to the to the region, of course, but it, it might have some some other highly competitive regions um, that I, somewhat I think, outside of its control.
4: Um, yeah, in, term, in terms of dollars, uh, where it's impacting uh, some of the economies, um, I mean, you're looking at France as being a pretty large producer. If France was going to lose, say, reduce its production by 10%, Right, because there's too many regions, it's too warm. And, and So if France reduces by 10%, 10% of France's production is equivalent to 50% of Germany's production. Uh, and so it's huge, right? A tiny percentage point out of France, Italy, Spain uh, is going to open up a massive opportunity for others. and And we should also mention, given we're on the record, uh, Jonathan was the very first to call that champagne, the champagne appellation was going to be donated by the French to the English. If that ever happens, I'm buying your drink.
2: <laughs> Being French? Was- I don't think so.
4: <laughs> <laughs> nope, no.
0: <laughs> and, and Nick, could this, could this do something for the, the market for older vintages? I mean, you could have
1: wines that will, will never taste that way again. You know, yes, you, yes, I think I think that's right. I mean, I'm I'm already of the view that vintages like 2010, 2016 in particular across the whole of Europe are are just extraordinary vintages of of balance and relatively speaking moderate alcohols that you know, we're not going to see as regularly in the future. That doesn't mean that we won't see them. I suspect 2020 will be a more more, um, moderate vintage, albeit um, one which suffers from rather small crops, um, compared to the hotter vintages more recently of of, of 2018, 19, um, 21 in particular, I think. Um, But yeah, I think, I think that, that um, those classic vintages um, will be, will be increasingly sought after along with, you know, the new, the new areas opening up, you know, the Grosser Gavats and the, uh, and and those great white, those great German dry wines that are now being produced that, um, you know, would have being produced maybe historically once every five or so years, but are now being produced every year.
4: Yeah,
1: we um, we covered
0: um, in a previous uh, a podcast what tech could do to help the fro- uh, the, the frosts in in France. Um, you know. I mean, is there really anything that that tech can do? Is this just too big and too overwhelming of a problem? Are we just sort of chipping away at smaller things? Um, has anybody read about anything hopeful or um, um, any solutions out there that might that might make sense?
3: Um, I think that I think I think that tech is is it's about driving efficiencies and those efficiencies. Um, there is a risk that some of these efficiencies are, are counterproductive and not contributing to an environmentally sound solution, but many of those things are. And I think also another podcast we were talking about the, um, just a broader effect of Corona and the digitalization of the wine industry and how wines are marketed B2B. Um, before COVID, everybody was traveling all around the world, um, to, to market the wines. And th- there's a real potential for um, tech to support, you know, doing more regionally or doing more things remote where everybody is not jumping on the plane for that, you know, for that one hour meeting in, in, in London or in Hamburg or whatever. But that's, you know, just doing things more efficiently and just not hopping in the car, not hopping in the plane, um, for every little meeting of course the big meetings the ones that are important you know there is something um, that's still very meaningful about getting together in person but um, i think looking at ways of, of streamlining does every every lead that you generate does that require you being in person does every um, new deal or um, catch up does that require that um i think that's and that's where tech can help
4: And we've got I mean, from our perspective, I think it is definitely a huge problem. Uh, And irrespective of how uh, daunting it looks, everyone needs to try and do at least a little little something somehow. And recycling is not enough anymore, right? We all know that. Um, But ultimately, we have tried, from our perspective, I'm also in line with what Jonathan said, where uh, technology uh, needs to help in better efficiencies. Uh, so that productions being affected by wildfire one year but find the next year can readapt really quickly. Uh, we've done a lot of work in Trolley on two fronts. A, awareness of consumers, right? So the whole idea of sustainability, we have a, a number of vineyards now who are operating on a, a net zero carbon emissions, right? Vineyards with solar panels, with power walls and all that stuff. Uh, and it's fine for them for a vineyard to install a, 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 a solar panel. Uh, the problem is that most vineyard is just gonna turn around and go, cool, we have a solar panel. And, and this information needs to, be, needs to permeate through marketing. Uh, And the bottles need to say, this was produced in a year where the vineyard was net zero, right? Uh, To start helping raising that awareness. So we do help uh, vineyards with the generation of stickers to put on the bottles, stuff like that. Uh, And we've also played quite extensively with the concept of price elasticity, Right. I, I'm I'm personally fascinated by this nineteen dollar Pinot in that eighteen seventy five dollar Pinot in which one do you take as a consumer? Uh, and the, the idea here, we've actually extended that to trying to help Vineyards understand based on the level of production, based on the overall demand of a certain varietal, the more information we have about a product, including production volume, including acidity and sugar, the more we're able to compare different price point and kind of at least show them that, you know what, you're actually below market rates, right? Uh, So we're dealing, for instance, with a number of vineyards right now who are selling out of wine thanks to COVID. Uh, and all of them are selling their wine at the same price, or most of them are selling their wines at the same price as they did three or four years ago. And that makes no business sense, right? Four years ago, the dollar was really different, uh, and the bottle has been has been selled uh, uh, for three more years. Um, and so ultimately, if there's a year that, that they get affected by wildfires, uh, or if there's a region that's slowly, slowly producing less and less, we need to help them. Understand that pricing balance uh, based on what the industry is currently able to provide. Uh, so that's two areas we've actually worked quite extensively on at Trolley.
0: Jonathan, are you seeing any anybody exchanging information about being net zero?
3: Um, not net zero specifically, but um, this year for the wines from Spain, UK. Um, online platform that was one of the highlights that they teased out of the winemakers and the um and the importers on the wines um was to highlight eco bottles lightweight bottles um as uh, since there's yeah they're easier to ship like a thinner glass uh, great less co2 uh sorry like the thinner glass the thinner glass exactly Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so that was, I thought that was really, um, really interesting to see that that's, that's one thing that they wanted to highlight amongst their, their, their wines. Um, it doesn't mean that hundred percent of the wines were that way, but they wanted to at least allow the the vineyards that were doing that to differentiate um, themselves. Um, it's, it's interesting when like it, it goes, it raises, a lot of uh, production questions as well. Um, I was part of a tasting earlier this year um, with uh, Sicilian winery, and they had gone into a lot of studies about how lightweight can their bottles go and not have them break. And um, and they were had been tiptoeing around what would be what's the thinnest bottle that would accept the cork, and at what point do you have to move into a screw cap? And so it's it's not a just, um, you know, make it as thin as possible until it doesn't break, but it's also has to do with the closure and splintering, splintering out the, the, the glass. So, um, but it is, you know, there is some work going on there and um, platforms that would allow producers to communicate that more consistently and um, have eco-friendly messages communicated or a way to Search for those wines. um, uh, That I think that that has some some uh, power there. And Nick, are you seeing this? uh, Sorry,
0: Nick, are you seeing this in logistics? Uh, In in, are you seeing uh, importers talk about this or distributors uh, talk about this, or are they just dealing with COVID and? Um, all the other issues of 2020. Yeah,
1: I mean, I guess if you look at the end of the market that we serve predominantly with our software platforms, it tends to sort of be the premium wine end of the market, and we are, I guess, seeing a lot less of that. Obviously, certain certain producers um, um, pioneering um, different closures and all the rest of it, but but really, um, where we're not really we're not really hearing. Much in in that in 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 that area. Um, what we are hearing is how much more expensive it is to ship round, wine around. How tougher it is to get wines moved at all. How much time um, wines are sticking um, in in warehouses in the U.S. Um, uh, waiting to um, you know find a, an an effective way. To get over to Europe, so that seems to be the big problem right now. That wine just is much uh, tougher to move around, and the costs of moving it around have doubled. Sorry, Seb, you were going to jump in.
4: Uh... I, I was. Just, I was just fascinated by uh, Jonathan mentioning, you know, the glass and the cork. And uh, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but uh, a couple of years ago, Australia invented this thing called a screw cap. Uh, uh, we call it a screw cap anyway, uh, and um, I wonder from a, a um, climate change perspective, I wonder how much of an argument there would be towards the screw cap being more or less environmentally friendly. Aluminum is potentially much easier to recycle. Cork, I would assume, I mean, gets recycled, not really. It's recyclable, it's reusable, but doesn't really, it pretty much goes into landfill. I would assume. Is it? Is it? Can can cork be composted? Yeah, I don't know. And a lot of composite corks are glued together with petroleum-based glues. I would assume. Uh, I don't know if we if there would be a a major impact in just saying you know what let's just fucking abandon the cork once and for all. I mean the industry wouldn't fly with that. Yeah okay fair enough. It's ten years.
0: <laughs> Laurie, ultimately we're talking about um, you know having businesses be more, um, environmentally, uh, climate change, friendly net zero. this is ultimately probably going to come down to a communication between the, the consumer and the producer, you know, and the community, the biggest point of that communication is still that bottle and that label that they're going to see. How, how are they like there's the organic and there's the kosher and there's the nad zero and there's the, how, and the then B-Corp. there's the awards that they won and then the thing and then the, whatever, like the, how, how do they, how do we, the producers get across this kind of information? What sal- really matters?
2: Yeah. The Salmon safe B Corp. Like the, like, it's just like the least. One. Yeah. Like it's just, um, I mean, for me, like on a, I'm, Really curious to see if um, this is going to redefine a bit like the idea of local. Technically, local will impact you know there's less transport right there and then. But just even like, just really curious. um, You know, like I'm like personally I'm wondering almost if it would be like not a rating, but like um, you know you have like the debate as well. It's like oh, is nutritional tables coming to wine? You know, it's one of these rare products that we ingest and we don't know the nutritional value, right? It's like one of the unique things. And um, it's like really, really interesting to me to see if, um, you know, we're going to take like all these other elements It's like, okay, so that's like the value inside the bottle, but sorry. Uh, But also like the value in terms of carbon, the value in terms of like rehabilitation, rehabilitation of land is a value of uh, bringing, um, you know, like the river clean and having the salmon come back again through the vineyard that they weren't before. Like, So it's just like part um, of a bigger picture that I think um, marketing-wise could be interesting uh, and then I think will be accessible to um, consumers. I think I'm wary to just like put everywhere like logos, 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 because eventually like then you have to educate about them. Um, but at the same time, if we don't raise... A sort of standard like a way to measure you know going back to data and technology then it's all then it, then suddenly really just a marketing ploy and we're you know not going to just say, but like oh a clean wine clean wine based on what you know like, like it's just like all exists like language um well, just like on, on the side i do also a bit of uh, wine label design still and uh just work with like a a winery in uh, Washington state around Lake Chelan, and and like, for a small production that we called a uh, whole picture and the idea is like to celebrate each wine on that particular year what happened that made that wine so it goes both on the winemaking on the reality of like it's got a bit smoke tainted because we had this fire um the winemaker felt like they just got this new one for us delivered from Poland and they felt like trying it out so all of it is kind of like telling the story not in a you need to learn everything about that to understand the wine, but like giving the idea of like all the things involved. I think the wine industry still to this day, maybe a bit too abstract when it comes to um, the magic behind it. And I know it's part of the magic, but I think it's time to open a bit more the kimono, maybe to just show what it involves and get consumers more behind the scene storytelling.
4: Let's uh, l- let's just leave this one here on the table. All of us around this group here probably have access to enough people in the industry for us together to define that standard, to communicate with customers. We could together create the next recycling logo for wine. Food for thought. Put for
0: yeah. <laughs> okay, and that was episode 13 of the Wine Tech Insiders podcast. I'd like to thank my insiders or our insiders, uh, Laurie from Mount Nick from Wine Owners, Jonathan from Bottle Books, and Seb from Trolley. We'll see you all in a few weeks.
4: Thank you, guys. Love you. Bye, thank you.